Hi kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures. Joining me this week is writer and co-founder of Tiger Bee Press, uh, Charlotte Shane. Hey. Hi, thanks for uh, finally having me, much <laughs> my, my own insistence. <laughs> no, I'm so excited because you have this character that you wanted to talk about that I didn't even initially remember. Um <laughs> <laughs> that oh God, because it's well no 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 it's just it's been so long since I've seen Arrested Development like I remember watching it when it first aired and I don't think I've really gone back to it since then but it's really like I mean that show obviously is about families and it's in many ways specifically I think about um, father-son relationships and this character Stan Sitwell that we're talking about today is sort of introduced like halfway through the series as sort of the anti-George Bluth. Yes, very much so. Um, Stan Sitwell is uh, kind of the, the perhaps an ideal patriarch, whereas everything about um, George Bluth is, it's like the realization of the worst dad impulses I've ever seen in real men, which is... <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of this idea that their their progeny primarily exist to carry on their own uh, spectacular genes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and George Bluth is obviously very very obsessed with kind of his his best child, Michael, mm -hmm. um, handling his company for him, his legacy, um, without ever really appreciating him or or uh, quite like taking stock of him as like a person with his own needs. And uh, so he's just sort of like the narcissistic um, bad dad monster that I think <laughs> that I think, frankly, a lot of men have it in them to be just as perhaps maybe mom, like a lot of moms could turn into Lucille. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about like when he has them do the boy fights. You know, oh, my God. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see a lot of dads thinking like, yeah, this is what I should do. Like or when my youngest son is kind of being this like a bl strange oblivious little dork like I should film it and mock him and I should you know provoke like antagonism between my my other kids for my own amusement um or the teaching lessons thing right which is mm -hmm. kind of so scarring for them like effective in a way but absolute overkill for what the situation calls for and then you have the Stan Sitwell who is just the most uh kind sort of calm reasonable accommodating figure um perhaps in the whole show um lucille too is maybe comparably admirable for mm -hmm. the most part um but stan stan in particular is just uh he's just such a force of good and he manages to be successful so he's sort of this example of like what what uh what george bluth perhaps could have been Although, I mean, I guess we could get into the philosophical, <laughs> philosophical ramifications of like how much control we have over our own <laughs> behavior mm -hmm. in the world. But it's, he's, he's an example of somebody who's extremely successful, more successful than the Bluths and, and did it while maintaining um, his, his sort of like softness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, those are kind of his, I mean, he doesn't have a huge role. Um, in the series and those are sort of his characteristics like um, he's kind uh, like su successful like he's 
the Bluth company's main like business rival. Um, and then also like it's a, a constant point that he can't uh, that he is he has alopecia. Yes, and that it's really funny to me. Like I just just thinking about that, and like there's so many jokes um, where. Like, <laughs> Uh, Job is like the guy we're meeting with can't even grow his own hair, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like George Bluth is bald. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Um, it's just so funny that like that's the thing that they zero in on when like their own father is like has does not have hair, um, right? And uh, there are all these comparisons like in that episode Switch Hitter. I feel like it's really you get a lot of really good stuff. Um, you get like. Uh, the flashback to Michael working for George Senior, um, and uh, and he's like, like because they're talking about the housing development that they're building, and Michael's like, you know, Sudden Valley. It's the name. It doesn't. It doesn't sound great. And like in the present in the present time, like um, Sitwell had suggested they change the name because he wants to buy it from them or work yes. with them or something. And Michael's like, I had that exact same idea, and like he's shown taking it to his father, and he's like, yeah, I just think it's you know it conjures up ideas about sinkholes and his dad's like that's a terrible idea like go make us some money what are you doing and it's like and then the narrator is like oh this was a management technique by george bluth to keep him constantly working for his approval and he's just like oh god that was a hard one to say no to <laughs> so he's just like constantly like like shooting him down um to just like make him work harder whereas sitwell is just like there's the whole thing with job and like the softball game yes Yes. And, and Job's utter shock at having somebody sort of affirm him for once instead of berate him um, and put him down and how, how prepared Job, you know, and, and the really like the biggest punchline of that whole episode is sort of like the effect that a, that just a taste of kindness has on Job mm-hmm. and how Job becomes sort of like so devoted to Stan. And um, of course it doesn't last but his absolute sense of wonder, you mm-hmm. know, when somebody is nice to him. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, when, when they mess up uh, during the baseball game and they're sort of prepared to during the softball game and they're, and they're prepared for like, uh, you know, rage and, and punishment. And instead it, you, they just get this sort of, uh, after school special style, like, no, it's okay. Like, I don't care about the softball game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole episode, um, George, who is like hiding out in the attic at this point, is um, like basically convinced that Sitwell is just trying to get Job to to come work for him so that he'll be like on his team in the right. big and softball he wants, game, like, espionage or something. Yeah, right. Oh, right. Exactly. That yeah, he, he's just one upping like for the softball game. Yeah. So like George is obsessed with winning this softball game, and he uses all these tricks, like trying to distract Sitwell with like oh, one of your underprivileged kids just, like, wandered into the road. And um, and Stan mostly is just using it to raise money for kids. <laughs> like, and George is still obsessed with winning and, like, is convinced that, like, he just wants, um, that Sitwell is trying to lure Job away because he's so good at softball. And then, yeah, when they do, um, when they do play, like, Stan is just like, ah, I don't care about this. I just want you to be happy. And, uh, and then Job, like, does win the game. <laughs> One of my favorite Stan moments is uh, it's a really small scene and you might not remember it um, where uh, he's at the country club. So the, the other one of the other episodes he figures in pretty prominently 
Oh shoot. I should have looked up the name of it, but it's when, uh, it's the, it's like the debut of Sally Sitwell. And they start this storyline about Michael having had a crush on her as a child. Oh yeah. But right. You know, but her being kind of bolder than he was like her wanting to steal this golf cart and him being hesitant and, uh, and, and his, and, uh, Job, uh, kind of being completely artless and teasing him about, uh, Sally. And also then of course the interference of George Bluth, um, in that relationship. And so there's a scene where, uh, they're they're at the country club and Job is there with Lucille too. Um, and they're spotted by the Sitwells who are eating with Michael and they all end up eating together. And Job is trying to disguise his uh, relationship or the nature of his relationship with Lucille too. So Lucille too says something like, Oh, Joby, you know, why don't read the desserts for me? Cause that's supposed to be like foreplay for them or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> him reading him reading for her and uh and and job says something awful you know like like well oh, i don't know i don't know why she she wants me to read for her must have forgot her old lady glasses and uh you know lucille too is really offended and stan sitwell says I, like i i will lead i will read for the lovely lady and then he, he just says he says an assortment of ice creams and sorbets and he's like <laughs> He starts reading in this sort of like this just sort of sweet like announcing voice, um, and I just I that's one of his moments that I love so much, and I think Ed Bagley Jr. is so good at um, at sort of portraying this man who is who's very gentle and like sincere, and um, but but is never feminine, you know, and that's kind of the thing with like uh, his alopecia that. That and and like uh, Job's comment, like, oh, he can't even grow his own hair. You know that that sometimes Arrested Development is uses a pretty blunt uh, kind of cudgel for certain, I don't know, like cheaper punchlines, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of like, oh, Tobias is effeminate, and like that's funny. That's supposed to be funny in and of itself. It's kind of like a man is is effeminate or whatever. But um, but Ed Ed Bagley Jr. is just kind of. I, I don't know. To me, he never seems less masculine, even for having, you know, the hair situation and, and for being kind of so uh, mild mannered. Um, I think it's in that same episode where he's talking to Michael and um, he's, you know, kind of uh, gives Michael his blessing to pursue something with Sally. And he, and he kind of says, I always liked you, Mike, Michael, you know, because you're nothing like uh, your showboat of a father, if you don't mind my saying so. And it's that's another thing that's, that's so cute that, you know, he's kind of like, he thinks it's like maybe out of line to call George uh-huh. Bluth a showboat. When, of course, George <laughs> Bluth is like, everyone in the Bluth family is like saying things about him that are so, so, so much worse. But mm-hmm. he's kind of like, you know, if you'll, if you'll pardon my, my strong, pardon my saying so. Um so I don't know. I get. I guess I get really excited when, um, when when men are allowed to be tender and it and it doesn't negate their masculinity. You know, it's not like played in a way of like, oh, this sucker, or like, what a wimp. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, I mean, the show does like parts of it have not aged super well. Um, yeah. <laughs> like all the Tobias stuff, and then there's like that weird plot line with. Um, with Lindsay and Steve Holt. Um, and there's a, oh, and I mean, it's, it's not like, it's, it's not the, the worst 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess this is all relative, but they also, they've got some weird stuff about sex workers. Like I don't, I, I think oh, like, yeah. you, you know, it's like, I'm fond enough of the show that I can, mm-hmm. it actually, it doesn't bother me as much as it might in other situations. But I'm looking at, I'm just like, uh, you know, there's like, the, the, there are quite a lot of like sex worker jokes. And I mean, they have, I, I, for tits and sass, I wrote about this one, the one episode where, um, with Justine Bateman, when she shows up, it's kind of like this expensive escort who has been seeing George Bluth for a long time. Um, and, and how relatively progressive I thought that episode was because there's a lot of great stuff in that episode. Like, um, this joke, this sort of running joke about how all the men who are paying her so much and hiring her are mostly just crying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and there's also this great moment where, where Michael's kind of like, why don't you get out of the life and like, come, come work for me and have a straight job. And, you know, and she's, and she says like, I make a hundred $30,000 a year or something, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's just like, Oh, um, forget that. But there's certainly other, there are other moments, um, in other episodes where it's kind of where the, where the implicit or explicit punchline is kind of like sex workers are dirty and they have diseases. And like, there's the whole, like, um, uh, narcoleptic stripper thing, you know, when she keeps, Mm -hmm. so she's in the cake and it's like, people keep thinking they killed her because she falls asleep in the cake, like, or falls asleep out of the cake. I don't know. It's just, yeah, you're, you're to say parts of it haven't really aged so well is definitely true. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, uh, but, and, and I think particularly the newest season, did you watch season four? I watched a few episodes of it. And then I think I was just like, Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> it's really it kind of brings out like the worst parts of it. Like there's all this like, like sort of like Orientalism, if that's like the right word, you know, it's it's just eh, it's kind of sad to um to to see it maybe given to its worst instincts at different points and and lose the the real the moments of like transcendent humor that would mm-hmm. allow you to otherwise perhaps like try to pardon it or or overlook it um but but to me Stan Sitwell is still this sort of flawless shining <laughs> character <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but but like with the episode with Sally, I guess one of the interesting things is that you can see like no matter how kind of objectively good someone's parents are, like if they're your parents, you still have these um, very typical reactions to them and like relationships to them. So that when Michael tells Sally like, oh, your father, your father will like kind of wants us to be together. She's like, oh, well, sorry, but that, that ruins the fun for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want, I don't want my father's approval and I don't want him like trying to manage my life. And, uh, you know, we realize that she feels a little bit as, um, yeah, just like managed by Stan as Michael sometimes feels managed by his father. Um, even though there's, they're kind of such a, like antith- there's such antitheses otherwise mm-hmm. the, the dad the dad instinct is just <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah I mean and then the Michael George Michael relationship is like all about that too right like I mean yeah. in ways the show is about Michael trying to be like a good father in the midst of like this terrible dysfunctional family 
Um, but he still screws it up like a lot. Um, like he basically, it's like a recurring joke that he just like does not listen to his son at all. <laughs> right, right, and he just hears what he wants to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that and that George Michael is very accommodating of his father's uh, various like uh, whims, you know, like uh, like buying the new bike or, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, the, the George Michael generally tries to be very gentle with his father. Um, even when his dad is, is clearly in the wrong. Um, and that George Michael also is the, is like the true voice of, um, sort of ethics, you know, it was like mm-hmm. George, um, George, sorry, Michael can talk a good game, but he often fails to totally live out the same ideals he, he articulates to George Michael and George Michael is there like kids usually are to say, wait, but I thought that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean like the way that the show sets it up is like Michael's whole life is like and whole like identity is in opposition to George. Um, like his whole fatherhood is like, I'm not my father. Like I'm doing things better and differently. And like, but it's not just like he makes that decision and then moves on. Like the show just portrays him as like caught up in being different and in being like the opposite um, to the point where like, he just constantly keeps referring back to him. Um, and like, it's in this really like, like obsessive way (laughs) like in trying to get out from under him he's just sort of like constantly bringing him back into his own relationship with his son right right and um and of course like this uh you know you know they have the whole like the the whole family line where uh george senior interacts sort of a lot with George Michael, like when he's hiding in the attic and George Michael's the only one who knows he's there. Um, and George senior is, uh, like demanding George Michael bring him different types of food and, and, and try to keep the secret from his father, which makes George Michael so uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, it's, I mean, luckily the, the show is funny. It's a comedy, but when you look at it, it's really like, it's so sad that George Michael has, like no adult in his life who truly supports him, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, he's so, he really is, and makes him feel really good. And nobody can, you know, everybody is. <laughs> Egg. <laughs> yeah. Who? But like, <laughs> um, yeah, she, it, it, you know, even, even George, George senior is, uh, like disapproves of, of Anne. Um, and I guess really the only person who ever gets excited about that relationship is um, Lindsay when she thinks that George Michael wants to propose, right? Or or she or George Michael does want to like get pre 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 engaged or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he wants his mother's wedding ring to give to Anne. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think if there are any other. Fa- I mean, obviously, like as you mentioned with Steve Holt, like Job is a father too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, like, you're right. It's like the whole show is, is about sort of fathers. Um, or I guess, you know, parent child relationships because Lucille and, uh, Lindsay gets a fair amount of yeah 
airtime. And then it's kind of the same thing for maybe as it is for George Michael, where having this grandparent around is, uh, is, is hard to enjoy because the grandparent is so selfish and manipulative. Um, but, uh, yeah, Job, Job is obviously a dreadful father. The only, (laughs) the only good father is, is Stan because Tobias is also a really bad, you know, he also, um, has a terrible time listening to maybe mm-hmm. and he and Lindsay are kind of incapable of responding to any of her behavior in a, in a loving way, you know, so whatever she does, they, they find, they find a way to interpret it so that it requires nothing from them. You know, if she's like failing out of school, if she's, you know, just obviously skipping school, they always find a way to respond to it so that they don't have to do anything about it. So mm-hmm. that it's, you know, they just have totally abdicated responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, yeah, I think it just like there, it's all these sort of like different parent child interactions and like different um, levels of them, like grandparents and grandchildren um, or parents raising kids and then interacting with their parents still. So like what kind of, like, I guess maybe Stan Sibyl specifically, but like, any of the rest of the show, like what kinds of fantasies do you think the show presents about like fatherhood and I guess parenthood more generally, because to me, one of them is like, like no matter how bad your parents, like in almost a way, like it's like, no matter how bad your parents are, they still are there or like family is still there. Like, and I guess the show walks this line of like trying to be like, Oh, family is terrible. And like a source of all of this stress and pain, um, but you can't ever really just walk away from it. Um, like, I guess, is that the is that the ending of, like, the original run of the show, that Michael and George Michael just leave? The, um, they're, they're trying to leave, I think, at the end of season one. Oh, they, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're in the car, and Michael's like, well, this will really show them. And they keep calling him and they don't even notice that he's not there. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, so he gets so frustrated. He's like, I have to turn around and like make clear to them that yeah. <laughs> because, because I thought they were going to freak out and panic that I'm not there, but instead they're not even noticing. Um, the end of the, the real run of the show is back on the boat, which is how it starts. Um, where Lucille's planning to, make a run for it. She's planning to steal the the boat to get into international waters. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I, I guess you're right. Like they, George, Michael and Michael are maybe in their own boat. Does this sound right? It's been so long since I watched that, um, that they're kind of like that they abandon ship and, and go off, um, on their own while, while Lucille is trying to like, commandeer the larger ship i think that's what happens um but but the show has its fair uh a fair number of kind of uh like happy ending moments where where the the takeaway is some affirmation of love between like michael and uh lucille or um or, or Michael and Job. Mm-hmm. So, it, so you're right. Like it does seem to suggest that these family ties and familiar, familial love are a really strong glue 
stronger probably than any of us even want it to be. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and, and also that, I mean, the, the show is really good at, at showing that, um, you can be the better person among a crowd of not great people and still kind of be not necessarily a great person yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so Michael obviously really thinks very highly of himself and it's understandable when he's against this backdrop of people who are completely incompetent and irresponsible and, you know, shallow and et cetera, et cetera. But he too has these, um, he, he at least has an instinct towards good, but mm-hmm. as they say, it, it's, it's sort of one of these, um, it's a little bit self-serving where that's just part of how he sees himself. Part of his identity is I'm the good guy. Um, and he makes choices based on that, that are, um, not always the right choice. So, uh, it, it is a really interesting show in that respect. And I think a show that I, I think that aspect anyone could relate to where, you yeah. know, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know, like this is what I should do, but um, you really don't want to do it. Or, or you do have a belief like, um, you know, it's, I, I'm trying to think of examples where, where Michael really lets George Michael down. And I'm thinking about like uh, he brings home, you know, Michael brings home like a fancy chair from the office. And I think George Michael sees it and is like, where do we get that nice chair? And, and then when Michael says it's from the office, George Michael is kind of like, oh, but isn't that stealing? Isn't stealing wrong? Mm-hmm. And you, it's like, you're sympathetic with both sides there. Cause you're sort of like, it doesn't, it's just a chair. It doesn't matter. And then you're like, well, yes, stealing is wrong. Like sort of, you know, like, isn't, you know, I think maybe George Michael says something like, isn't this what got like, pop pop in trouble, like taking stuff from the company. And, um, and, and there is probably always that tension in, in everyone would kind of like these ideals you want to hold yourself to, but then these circumstances where you think like, surely this time I can just, this time is different. This time I get an exception and I can do it the way I want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. To me, Stan is one of the more, what do you think, what are some of the, the, like the best dads that, that you've talked about on the show already? Like if you had to say like the top five dads, you're like the best at being fathers. Oh my God. Okay. Um, off the top of my head, um, I'm going to say, uh, God, Gomez, Gomez Adams. Okay. Yeah. That makes uh, sense. Super, cool. super, super good. Um, <laughs> a plus. <laughs> <laughs> there's a character from a show, uh, from a film called Easy A. Um, yeah, I love Easy A. Stanley Tucci's character. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I guess Ron Swanson is also like very good. <laughs> Those are like my top three, I think. A lot of the dads we talk about aren't very good. <laughs> right. I know. Well, of course, the yeah, other not because I mean, like most dads aren't any good. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, 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 and then I, I suppose there's a sense that, um, in, in, uh, in TV particularly or in any type of entertainment that like healthy relationships aren't entertaining. Right. So there's, there's no like conflicts or something. Right. There's yeah. a disincentive to portray them. But I, I think Stan Sitwell is like one of the best fictional dads. 
I've ever seen. Even though he doesn't get a ton of airtimes, like whenever we see him, um, he he's just being like a really nice person in this in this kind of uh, authentic, like organic seeming way. Where you know, unlike Michael, where his his posturing towards being good seems very self-conscious always. You never get the feeling that Stan Sitwell is performing mm-hmm. being a nice person. And I think some of that is just, uh, it's, it, it's certainly like to the credit of the actor more so than even the, the writing. And, um, did you watch, did you watch Maria Bamford's show Lady Dynamite? I haven't seen it yet. No. Um, Ed Bigley Jr. plays her dad and, um, that show is also, I guess, um, like it's produced by Mitch Horowitz, the guy who did Arrested Development. He has some role in it. And if you ever watch it, you'll see the similarities. It it has a feeling of Arrested Development sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best parts of the show, I think, I, I think that it's not a great show, even though I really like Maria Bamford, but the best parts of the show are definitely when she's, uh, flashing back to being an adult coming home to, uh, I think she's from maybe not, I think Minnesota, um, and staying with her mom and her father and the actors playing her mom and dad are so cute and so sweet. And they're, and they're like the best parents. And, um, again, it's like, you don't get a lot of Ed Begley Jr., but, his his character is incredibly indulgent of both his wife and his daughter in a place that comes from like complete love not just a path of least resistance Mm. and um and there's this great scene where uh maria is being kind of manic because you know i think she's bipolar um I forget what her like exact diagnosis is, but, and she's making like a lot of loud noises and her mom is like, Maria, please. Like, you know, I've got a leakage problem. Like, um, (laughs) you can't make loud noises around me (laughs) and, uh, or I'm going to have to like go change. But she says something about like, I think having to change her underwear or whatever, because she's got this (laughs) bladder problem. And the dad (laughs) Ed Bigley Jr. is immediately sort of like, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to change your panties for you. And she's like, Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite thing in the world when people who are like in their 50s or, you know, even their 60s, I don't know how old her parents are supposed to be in that in that scene. But um, when they when they first of all have like they're still flirting with each other and still apparently have like a vibrant sex life. And um, and also when they can be playful with each other. Um, And I just I love that he keeps getting cast in these roles as, you know, this is just like thoroughly good natured person who kind of um, is is just ha- like happy and non judgmental, mm-hmm. and it just it warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, do you want to wrap things up there? Yeah, I'm not sure what else there is to say. I'm trying to think if there are any other favorite um, stand moments. Uh, maybe the one we haven't talked about is when there's this elaborate do you remember the episode when there's these uh they all kind of have a spa day at the beach like there was some valentine's day um raffle prize that um tobias won i think and he was going to do it with Lindsay, but he did it on his own first like not understanding that he was using the prize and so then he had to buy another one it's the one with um uncle jack do you remember Uncle Jack? He's like Martin Short. He's Bullet. He's the guy who has to be carried by the bigger man. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, there's, they, they go to, uh, they, they go to, um, they all, they all kind of end up at the beach. It's a very like slapsticky, um, setup. And, uh, I think Stan is there with, uh, Lucille. And again, he's just like, um, I'm trying to remember if he ends up, I think Tobias and Michael end up together. I know there's these like pairings of, you know, it's everyone is with someone they, they don't want to be with basically. Um, but Stan is really good natured there too, even though his, uh, his spa day is interrupted. And I find his pursuit of Lucille too, very sweet. I love, I love how, mm-hmm. um, how, how into her. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess those are maybe like, the, the Stan highlights for me. I mm-hmm. wish there were more. I wish he had his own spinoff show. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be so good. Um, but thanks for thanks for letting me just enthuse about him. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's, it's um, you know, it's not often that we get to talk about a dad on this show who is almost uniformly not terrible. So it's always <laughs> a treat when someone suggests one yeah. like that. <laughs> Um, tipping the balance just a little bit, just yeah. instilling a little bit of hope. Yeah, you know we all need we all all need some some hope in dads uh, every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you again so much, and people can uh, can and should go to Tiger Bee Press. Is it TigerBee.com? dot com? It's TigerBeePress dot com. Tiger and they should com. they should go because your because they can find your writing there. Too. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, <laughs> but yes. And perhaps more of it soon. Who knows what mm. uh, 2017 will hold? It's a mystery. <laughs> um, and Maybe we're, Stan... we're building it. We're building the mystery. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. We're just going to keep ratcheting up the suspense mm-hmm. as long as people can handle it. Mm-hmm. And maybe, who knows, maybe like Stan Sitwell fanfic. I would put maybe. maybe it's just the whole oh book. God, maybe it's a 300-page book. Good dad fanfic. Where it's like, oh, yeah. It's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> Copyright TM, TM, TM. Yeah, don't be feeling. It's fine. It's cool. All right. Well, I will talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye, kiddos. Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by Nick Bravo for Stay Mean. Stay Mean is listener-supported. If you appreciate the shows we make and want access to bonus episodes and other perks, support us at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album, Foil Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy. Thanks for listening. Be good, kiddos. <laughs>